Well, if you have your Bibles, all I know to do is to tell you is turn to the book of Job. Uh, Job is a narrative, and so Job is a story, and so we're not going to take it verse by verse like I have so many times with so many books of the Bible, that the book of Job is more about a, it's a, it's a narrative about a man's life that goes through great hurt, great pain. There's a lot of different side stories that are going on in the life of Job and through the book of Job, and so if you were with us last week, you know that we started this series, Breaking Point, and we looked at this issue of what happens when the unexpected happens, and so we looked at Job's life, and we learned a lot about Job. That Job was the best of the best. He was a, he was a good man. He was a good uh, dad. He was a do- devoted follower of God. The scripture says that he was blameless, which meant he walked in right relationship to God. It says that he was a man of great integrity, which means he was in right relationship to his family and to his wife, to his kids, to, to people that he worked with, people in his community. Then the scripture also says that he stayed away from evil. In other words, that was the Hebrews' way of saying that, that he was a devoted worshiper. He was active in his church and he served in his church. And so we know that Job was like the best of best. Fact is, we learned that that's what God said about him, right? God said that he is in right relationship with me and he is in right relationship with us. And, and he is a devoted worshiper of mine. And so we learned that Job was the best of the best. And then we also learned that, you know what? Bad things do happen to good people. And you and I cannot expect life to be fair. Because life is not fair. Because we live in a fallen world and we live in a sinful world. And we live in a world where hurtful and painful things happen. I mean, you look at Job's life. I mean, one day he was a multimillionaire. The scripture said that he was, he was like the wealthiest man in their area. He had a business. He had a home. He had, um, he had a lot of employees. He had a lot of things. He had a perfect family. Scripture says that he had seven sons and three daughters. And when you start looking at the number seven and three, you realize that, the, that he was communicating that Job had like this perfect family. In one moment, he was a multimillionaire. In the next moment... Penniless. He lost everything. And his wife reached her breaking point before Job did. And his wife came to the point when she watched her husband, who was a godly man and a devoted follower and a great dad and great husband and all those other things. And then she saw his health break. And it was too much for her to bear. And out of her brokenness, she looked at Job and she says, Why don't you just curse God and die? And Job says, you're acting like a foolish person. In other words, I don't even know if I know. I I can't even believe you said that. Because we say that, right? Sometimes when we come to our brokenness and sometimes when we come to a breaking point, we say things that are just so raw and just so real. But she had reached her breaking point. And Job probably thought, you know what? I, I may be able to turn my life around and he told her, should we accept only the good from God and not the bad? And he told her things like, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the the Lord. And Job may have thought that it it couldn't get any worse than this. And then he, he loses his health. And he begins to reach his breaking point. I mean, he may have thought that if I get my health back, I can rebuild my business and I can rebuild my home and I can but he reached his breaking point, and Scripture says in, in Job 19, verse 16, it says, Job's saying, he says, when I call my servant, man, he doesn't come. See, Job used to have a lot of employees. Job used to have a group of employees that, that they were paid to respond to him, right? 
And that when he called to them, they responded. And all of a sudden, everything's changing in Job's life. And he says, when I call for my employees, they do not come. I have to plead. I have to beg with them. I mean, Job is going through this point of just a constant reminder that he's lost everything. I mean, it's, it's this constant, it's this daily reminder. I mean, years back, I, my truck was, was stolen, and I had, I had guns in my truck, and I was living in Texas, and guns, <laughs> guns in my truck, and ammo, and tools, and all this other stuff, and so someone stole my truck. You know, six months later, I'm still, it's still a reminder of the things that I lost. When I'm going for that tool, or I'm going for that, and I go, ah, oh, that was in my truck. It was a reminder of loss, and Job had this daily reminder. I mean, Job teaches us that hurt and pain doesn't get easier with time. In fact, if you don't process out through it, if you don't, if you don't walk through it, if you don't mourn, if you don't grieve, it can get worse. Job probably missed his children more six months later than a week after they were gone. The birthdays and the celebrations and things that they used to do around the house. And boy, you look at Job's physical state, and the, the Bible starts talking about his physical state, and it starts saying things like his face was red from crying so much, his, his breath from his disease was offensive to his wife and to his friends. And when Job would go out in public, little children would like make fun of him and lie, laugh at him from the boils and the scars on his flesh. And, and he lost a tremendous amount of weight. And his, the fact is, the scripture tells us that Job had so much fear of the future that his whole body would shake and tremble when he'd think about his future and, his, and it would give him great fear. It said that, that his nights were, were, were sleepless and there's no way he could sleep because he had this gnawing, deep, annoying pain that would not allow him to sleep. It says that, that his life absolutely fell apart. And then we find that Job reaches his breaking point. In Job chapter 6, verse 10, here's what the scripture says. At least I can take confidence in this. Despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. But I don't have the strength to endure. This is a man, this is a person that has reached the bottom. I have nothing to live for. Do I have the strength of a stone? Is my body made of bronze? No. And I'm, I'm helpless in this situation. Without any chance of success. One should be kind to a fainting friend, but you accuse me without any fear of the Almighty. In verse 15, he starts talking about his friends, and he says, My brothers, you have proved as unreliable as a seasonal brook that overflows its banks in the springs. You know, what, you know what Job was saying? A lot of my friends have walked away from me. You want to find out who your real friends are? Walk through crisis. You want to find out who your real friends are? Walk through pain. You want to find out who your real friends are? Walk through a time when people are judging you and criticizing you. 
And Job was, was totally ill at ease. He was unsettled because he says, I've got these friends that are unreliable. The least they could do is just walk with me through this. Three things that will happen to you and me when we go through great crisis and we hit that point of breaking, that we hit that point of just where we just bottom out. Three things that the Scripture says about this. The first thing is this. When we go through, through crisis, we will struggle with our relationship with family and friends. That's sometimes what makes pain and hurt so difficult to navigate through is because when we go through it, it always leads to relational problems. It always leads to, because the pain is so real, the pain is is so hurtful. Uh, John 19, 14 says this, Job's talking, he says, you know what, my family is gone. My close friends, and they forgot, have you ever gone through a period in your life like that? where you've gone through crisis, where you've gone through pain, and you felt people that said, I'll be there for you through thick and thin, and I'm your friend, and then you go through crisis, and you go through pain, and you say those words like, it just seems like my friends have just just forgotten me. And you see that these, these three friends come and, and see Job. And what's ironic to me and what's interesting to me is you know Job being as successful as he was, he, he had way more than three friends. And only three friends come. And let's stop right here. Let me. The most important thing you can do is what these three friends do initially. When someone around you is going through crisis and going through hurt and going through pain, it's called ministry of presence. Just show up. So many people are tempted when their friend goes through great crisis and great loss. It's just to kind of ignore it and not even respond to it. The greatest thing you can do is just show up. There are a lot of people, the barrier is this. When a friend goes through hurt or pain or loss, they say, I don't know what to say. I mean, what do you say to someone that's going through divorce? What do you say to someone that's lost a loved one? What do you say to someone that has lost a child? What do you say to someone that has lost a job? What do you say to someone that, you know what, is just being diagnosed by the doctor with a terminal illness with no hope in sight? Do you realize that's what keeps a lot of friends from going and ministering to another friend because the, the pain is so great? They just don't know what to say. Can I tell you the greatest thing you will do when someone goes through pain? Just show up. They're not looking. You don't have to have the answers. But just by you being there. Speak so much. Job chapter 2 verse 12. And so the friends, the three friends are coming. And they're, they're coming to see Job. And it says, when they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and and nights. And no one said a word. Do you realize that was the greatest thing they could do for Job? To cry with him and mourn with him? And just let him know, we're here for you. For they saw that his... Suffering was too great for, for words. And, and their action and their reaction to this may seem strange to you. But it's the most healing thing they could do. They, you see, at this point, these three guys didn't say the hurtful, hurtful word, words that some of us say in that situation. 
They didn't look at him and say, no worries, Job. You can have children again. No worries, Job. You're a smart man. You're a hard worker. You're a great businessman. You can rebuild the, this company. You can get your money back. Or Job, come on. Think of all the lives that you're going to touch because of the pain that you're going through. Or how about maybe one of the most hurtful? Job, one day you'll know why. Job never, Job never knew why. And these three guys just stayed quiet for three days. The greatest thing you and I can do when someone is hurting and they're going through great pain is at this point is not try to give them all the answers, but just let them know that you're there. So these three friends stay for about a week just being there. And, and so Job begins to talk in, in Job chapter 3, verse 1. Or, uh, verse one. At last, Job spoke. And he cursed the day he was born. And he said, let the day of my birth be erased and the night I was conceived. Let the day be turned to darkness. Let it be lost even to God on high. And let no light shine let no light shine on it. I mean, what happened to the guy that told his wife, do we only accept the good and not the bad? What happened to the guy that said, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. I tell you what happened to that guy. That guy reached a breaking point. Prolonged pain without any answers can do that to you. Job chapter 3, 11. Job goes on. He says, why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Verse 26 out of chapter 3. I have no peace. I have no quietness. I have no rest. This man is in a crisis. This man has reached the bottom. And he says, only trouble comes in my life. And instead of letting Job just process out through his emotions and through his issues, his friends decide, you know what? We need to speak into this. We need to challenge what he's saying. So the first friend weighs in on this, and this is what he says, Job chapter 4, verse 5. But now when... When trouble strikes, Job, you lose heart. You are terrified when it touches you. Doesn't your reverence for God give you confidence? Doesn't your life of integrity give you hope? You know what he's saying, Job, if you had real faith, if you had real faith, you wouldn't be saying these things. If your faith was real, if you really believe that that you said a few days ago, if you, if you really believe that that you said the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Job. If you had real faith, you wouldn't be saying that. Job chapter 4, verse 8. Then he goes on and he says, In my experience, listen, whenever someone tries to encourage you and speaks into your life and they start off with my experience, look out. It's only his word that encourages. Listen, we don't live life by emotion. We don't live life by experience. And so he speaks into his life and he says, Well, my experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil, that phrase cultivate evil in the Hebrew is the strongest Hebrew word for deliberate sin, intentional sin, premeditated sin. These aren't kind words that this guy is sharing. These aren't kind words that he's speaking into Job's life. He said, well, my experience shows me that those who plant uh, trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. What comes around goes around, Job. Or what goes around comes around, something like that. You get what you deserve. Job, the reason you're going through this, there has to be sin in your life. 
A breath from God destroys them. They vanish in a blast from his, from his anger. Job chapter 5, 17, he friends, goes on and encourages him some more. But consider the joy of those corrected by God and do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when, Job, when you sin. Job, you need to confess your sin. Now, we know that this suffering wasn't a result of sin, right? Remember that? We know that it was, Job was, a, was, was right relationship to God, right relationship to others. He was a devoted worshiper. He was a man of integrity. And you know, his friends, are te- they're trying to speak into his life, and they're trying to tell him, you know what, Job? You confess your sin. Can you imagine hearing this if you were Job? Verse, chapter 5, verse 18. For though he wounds, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hand also heals. Cheer up, Job. Things are going to get better. And so, so then you go on and you realize that, that his friend starts telling him some things that are true because we know they're true because we have the whole book of Job. And he began to tell him some things. Job, don't worry. God will rescue you. God, at one point, you will begin to laugh at your famine. Uh, Job, you will have your property, property again. Job, you will have children again. And Job, there comes, there comes a day when you will have joy again. Listen, all of those things were true. But it wasn't the right time. And we've got to be willing to mourn with people. Everything he told him right there, that God will rescue. One day you'll have joy again. One time you'll have, there will come a time when you have children again. The day will come when you have joy again. All of those things were true. But the timing is wrong. When you tell a parent and they're in mourning and you tell them, cheer up, you'll have another child. They'll tell you, I don't want another child. I want the one I lost. I want the one I knew. And we need to be careful when, when someone is in mourning and pain that we don't speak some things into their life that may be true, but it is not the right time. So Job answers in Job chapter 6, verse 2, and he says, If my misery could be weighed and my troubles be put to, on the scales, they would outweigh all the sands of the sea. So he's honest. Guys, That's why I spoke impulsively. I've got pain and I've got hurt that you cannot cannot even understand. Listen, it is a dangerous thing when we think we can measure the pain in someone else's life. Guys, I'm going through pain that you've never experienced. 17.15 out of Job, he says, Where then is my hope? Can anyone find it? No, my hope will will go down with me to the grave and we will rest together in the dust. I mean, Job is at the lowest point, so another friend decides, you know what, I'll weigh on this. I'll take this. Job chapter 8, verse 2, here's what he told him. He looks at Job and says, how long will you go on like this? You sound like a blustering wind. I mean, we all need friends like this, right? Uh, Does God twist justice? Does the Almighty twist what is right? Your children, here's a huge accusation. Your children must have sinned against him. So their punishment is well-deserved. I bet you Job wanted to punch him in his face. Have you ever gone through crisis? Have you ever gone through deep hurt? Have you ever gone through pain and someone was just so insensitive to your pain that they said something? This guy is saying, you know what? Your kids got what they deserved. 
Job. If you had been a better parent, if you had raised them better, everybody knows about their parties that went on forever. Can you imagine someone telling you that? We know that's not what God said about the situation. God said that Job was in right relationship to him, right relationship to others. He was a devoted worshiper. And he was a great father and he was a great dad. And we know it wasn't a result of their actions. So Job responds in chapter 9, verse 11. He says, yet... When he comes near, I cannot see him. When he moves by, I do not see him. Verse 16, and even if if I summoned him and he responded, man, I'm not sure God would listen to me. That's when you know you're at the breaking point. That's when you know you're at the lows. Another friend decides to weigh in on it in in Job chapter 11, verse 2, and he says, should not someone answer his torrent words? Is a person proved innocent just by a lot of talking? Should I remain silent while you babble on? When you mock God, shouldn't someone make you ashamed? You claim, Job, that my beliefs are pure and I am clean in the sight of God. If only God would speak, if only he would tell you what he thinks. If only he would tell you the secrets of his wisdom. For true wisdom is not a simple matter. Listen, God is doubtlessly punishing you far less than you deserve, Job. You really deserve more. Job was what he's telling me. You know, you know the reason this is happening in your life? It's because of sin. It's because of sin. Job eleven fourteen. he tells him, he says, Get rid of your sins and leave all the iniquity behind you. Then your face will brighten with innocence and you'll be strong and free of fear. And then in Job chapter 13, Job says, Look, I've, I've seen all this with my own eyes and I've heard it with my own ears and Now I understand, and so he's being sarcastic, and he says, I know as much as you do. You're no better than I am. As for me, I would speak directly to the Almighty. I want to argue my case with God himself. As for you, you guys smear me with lies. As physicians, you're like worthless quacks. If only if you could be silent. That is the wisest thing you could do. You know what Job's saying? If you could just mourn with me. You know, those first, that first week when you just sat with me, that was just so healing. Let's just stop right here in the name of love. Let me tell you, when you go through crisis, you have to learn to be patient with your friends because they don't understand the depths of your pain. I don't believe these guys were malicious. I don't believe these guys were hateful. I believe in these guys' mind, they were trying to be helpful to Job. Let me tell you something. When you go through crisis, you have to learn to be patient with your friends because they don't understand your hurt. They don't understand your situation. But it also says that you need to develop some relationships and some friends around you that have experienced deep hurt or have experienced those, those, those situations in life to where they can just speak truth into your life. I mean, don't, don't expect your friends to deliver more than they can, they can give because of their life. That's why Scripture says that 
we bear one another's burdens as if our own, as if to fulfill the, fulfill the law, of, law of Christ. And then verse 5 it says, For each person should carry his own load. And yes, people can help. And yes, people can minister to you in those times. But we also have to bear our burdens and learn that nobody can help us but God. And that's what Job learned, the second thing that we'll struggle with when we go through times of, of a breaking point. We'll struggle with our relationship with God. Job obviously struggled with his relationship with God. Job thirteen fifteen, uh, Job's talking, and he had some questions. And he says, God might kill me, but I have no other hope. I'm going to argue my case with him. Job nineteen twenty five. But as far as, but as for me... I know that my Redeemer lives. So you know what Job does? He goes back to the very things that he knows. And he will stand upon the earth at last. And God and, and Job did not understand that in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his crisis, why did God seem so distant and so far away? Job 13, 24, why do you turn away from me? Why do you treat me as your enemy? Job 19, 7, I cry out help, but no one answers me. I protest, but there is no justice. In Job chapter 23, 3, Job says this, if I only knew where to find God, I would go to his court. I'd lay out my case and present my arguments. Job 23, 8 says, I go to the east, but God is not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. But he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. Job thirty twenty. I cry out to, to you, O God, but you do not answer. I stand before you. But you do not even look. Let me ask you something. How do you react when life is falling apart? When the pain is relentless and there's no end in sight? Have you ever been in those times in life, like Job, and you wonder if he even hears your prayers? that your pain and your crisis is so strong, it's like screaming at you. And you open up the Word and try, and it's just like he's silent. Listen, let me tell you something that I've learned. There is a big difference between God's silence and God's absence. Just because he seems to be silent does not mean that he's absent. Listen, let me... This morning, if God seems distant from you, it has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with your sin. But it has everything to do with your feelings. Hebrews tells us that it is faith that pleases God, not feelings. Faith, trust, regardless of emotion. Faith, trust, regardless of feelings. That's why the scripture says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you, and he will neither fail you, nor he will abandon you. The last thing is this, when you struggle, you will struggle with your relationship with yourself. 
In other words, when you go through great hurt and you go through great pain, you have to protect yourself from bitterness. You have to protect yourself from unforgiveness. Next week, we're going to look at this issue of Job's life when God showed up and what, Job, what God did in the life of Job and what God did in the life of his friends. But this morning, let me tell you something. When you go through struggle, when you come to the breaking point, you will struggle in some respects with yourself and with your beliefs, and you have to fight against bitterness. See, the Scripture never says follow your heart. The Scripture says this, guard your heart, protect your heart. And you have to fight against this issue of bitterness. When you look at Job's life, you find that Job battled doubt, he battled depression, he battled bitterness. I mean, there's times that you see anger, there's times that you see self-pity where he's feeling sorry for himself. It's sprinkled all through the book. Job 7, 7 says, Oh God, remember that my life is but a breath. And I'll never again feel happiness. That, that's emotion. That's feelings. Verse 11, I cannot keep from speaking. I must express my anguish. Man, my bitter soul, it must complain. Job 7, uh, 17, 1, my spirit is crushed and my life is nearly snuffed out. The grave is ready to receive me. Job 27, 2. I vow by the living God who has taken away my rights, by the Almighty who has embittered my soul. When there's no end in sight to the crisis that we're going through, we will deal with doubt and discouragement and bitterness and resentment, and we have to fight against that. That's why James 11 says this, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This verse tells us that when we battle discouragement and hurt and crisis and loss, that God rewards those who endure. And we've got to focus on what we do know and not what we do not know. And when we go through loss and we go through hurt and we go through crisis and we go through pain, that we have got to remember the promises of God. We've got to remember the times that he answered those prayers and he took care of us. And we've got to remember that there is a difference between silence and him being absent. For the Bible tells us this. God is close to the broken hearted regardless if we feel it and we feel him and we know he's there. Native Americans have an interesting rite of passage, passage for their, their boys going into manhood. And at the age of 12, they, they take the, the 12-year-old boys and they take them out into the woods and they blindfold them and they, they set them up against a tree. And for those boys, they can make it through the night without removing the blindfold, even though they hear the scary noises of the wood and the, the woods and the darkness and the animals and all of that stuff. For the boys that can not remove their blindfold and they make it through the night, they usher them into manhood. Now, these boys at 12 years old, they're always afraid to just sit in the woods all night long by themselves with a blindfold around their, their eyes. 
But they're always deeply touched and deeply surprised that the next morning when they feel the sunlight hit their face and they remove their blindfolds only to see their dad sitting next to them. Even though they felt all alone. When you go through crisis, when I go through crisis, regardless of our emotions, regardless of our feelings, Scripture says God is there with you. As you bow your heads with me and close your eyes.